2: Glad you're with us, 5 o'clock Eastern, final hour across the OutKick Network. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smokey Moonshine. Coming up, a big discussion on Ryan Tannehill getting his turn to take a big step forward with his postseason play at quarterback for the Titans as they host the divisional round. The chance to host the AFC Championship game. Uh, that starts with the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get into that, plus uh, some college basketball action uh, a little bit later in the show. Paul, the latest uh, with the Titans today is Derrick Henry spoke. He's back. Um, for those that are still unsure if he's going to play, I went on a couple of other shows earlier this week, and they're asking me, like, hey, is he going to play? I'm like, yes, he's going to play. The dude's playing. Um, today's a further validation well, look,
0: look, Well, they they're not putting somebody at the podium – ahead of a playoff game, who's not playing, and they're not breaking a a pattern that they've had where they haven't had anybody who's not activated off IR. He's not yet activated off IR. He will be Friday afternoon. But they've not had anybody who's come off IR generally on a Saturday before a Sunday game speak before that. It's always been the first you've heard from somebody who's had a stay on IR of at least three games. His first appearance with the media would be after that first game. So those are all – there's no doubt he's playing in this game. He will be in uniform. He will be introduced. The place will go crazy. He undoubtedly will either take that first handoff on the first play from scrimmage or there will be a play fake to him on a play-action play, action play. Um, unquestionably. Uh, very excited said, you know, uh, being out for that time made him appreciate, you know, what he was missing. Thanked his girlfriend for driving him to the facility for five weeks during which he wasn't allowed to drive. Thanked the trainers, got regular texts from the guys during the time that he was out checking in on him. Um, didn't want to talk about workload, you know, kind of laughed that off, uh, didn't answer specific questions about the injury where I, I pressed him, said, you know, the difference in his feet are that one of them has a metal plate in it. Um, and, you know, we'll do whatever, whatever he's able to do, allowed to do, capable of doing to help this team win. Thrilled that they were able to continue to win without him and get the number one seat.
2: I uh, put out a, a poll this morning. You how, hit the right number. How many carries will Derrick Henry receive against the Bengals? And I put the over under at 18 and a half. Well, without seeing the results, how would you guys vote in this poll? Over under 18 and a half.
0: I'd, I'd go under. I'll go
2: over. So 53%, we've got uh, roughly 1,700 votes so far. 53% say over, 47 say under. So it is a split on how effective they feel like Henry's coming back to be in the divisional round. But, I mean, if he's got around 18 carries in this game, they're controlling the clock. They are playing their style uh, up front on the offensive line, and it's a run-first offense with play action working. At least that's how I see it in my mind. I don't see it as three and outs. We've seen that from the offense, too, to start games. But um, I don't think this is 18 carries because you ran a total of 42 plays. I think this is – if you believe he's getting more than 18 – you believe the Titans are winning because they're winning by running their style of offense.
0: If he gets more than 18, they should be in pretty good shape.
1: It's pretty simple for me. I think the Titans can and will run against the Cincinnati front, and I think that Derrick Henry is back, and he is going to be the dominant ball carrier in the game. And if they're going to play their style and win, he's getting more than 18 carries.
0: I think, though, it is possible... Bear with me here. I think it's possible he could get over eighteen carries that they could do the things that you're talking about, and they could still be in trouble in this game because, oh for sure Cincinnati makes a lot of big plays. And while we're talking about they give up these sacks, right? Is it fifty five for the team? fifty one? fifty one on burrow for the regular on season. Burrow for the regular season. He's thrived despite the sacks and the pass pressure. So I think the Titans will get pass pressure on him because the Titans are good with rushing with their front four, right? You put Autry and Simmons and Landry and Dupree out there, and Dupree is at his best so far. I think those guys are going to have some success. The problem is that as opposed to many teams the Titans have played this year, that doesn't ensure you're messing with the offense. And you can get pass pressure on Burrow And out of that pressure, he can find something and hurt you, or he can get up from that sack and complete a 20-yard pass to chase on the next play. And this is the kind of team where if you're owning the clock through that running game and they go and make a big play on the other side, it it can make time of possession not matter.
2: Well, time that's all fair, um, but I mean – Let's not treat the Cincinnati Bengals like the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs here. They put up what twenty three points on the Raiders defense. Yeah. This was no blowout. No, it wasn't against uh, the Vegas uh, Raiders who got into the postseason as the uh, as one of the final teams in in the final week. My because thing is the Colts lost.
0: My thing is though their depth of talent at receiver beyond Chase with Higgins and Boyd. I worry about the Titans' depth of receiver holding up in one on one matchups or or. Those sorts of matchups, particularly now, if Jack Rabbit Jenkins is in trouble. He did not practice today with an ankle that emerged out of nowhere. We'll see how serious that is. He's played very well the last four weeks. Fulton, I'm not worried about. Mabin just got put on the COVID list, which also makes you think uh, you got to keep your eye on the DB
2: room now. Well, it depends. If they've had COVID, they don't have to test. And if they're asymptomatic, they don't have to test. So I would worry about just hey, symptoms.
0: Yes. But you don't want any symptoms from any DBs here, the guys that he's obviously got the best chance of passing it on right. to. So, But I
1: don't consider – Did the, anyone miss the, a playoff game with COVID? Nope. This past week? No. I don't consider – guessing the, those symptoms, uh, even if they had them, probably mysteriously went away yeah. in their reporting to their coaches. On yeah. that one,
0: So I want the rush to be consistent and the coverage to be the best it's been. Elijah Molden's last game against a 36-year-old Danny Amendola concerns me as a carryover thing. If you were asking me about one defensive thing that scares me, that's a bad carryover.
2: So my question going into the game is what's fair to expect Like to, to talk up Cincinnati's offense versus who they are? Because i paid attention to them throughout the entire season. And what we saw this past week was a microcosm of what they've done. They can put up more points than what they did against the Raiders' defense. But in the first half against the Raiders last week, Burrow and the Bengals looked really good in going back and watching that game. But there's still questions. Because in the second half, they had 112 yards in the second half. And they averaged four yards per play. They ran 28 plays and put up 112 yards in the second half. That's not explosive. No. Uh, that's not what everyone's hyping them up to be. So I don't want to overemphasize an area of their offense that the Titans are fully capable of taking advantage of. Now, I'm not saying that jo- Jamar Chase is not an elite and that Burrow doesn't have a moxie to him and that they can spin it and put up points. But I am saying the Raiders just went toe-to-toe with them, did not play their best game. They turned it over, and they still had a possession late to go and tie the game.
1: Well, and you've got a defense now. I mean, the, the biggest difference this Titans team to me is you're going into every game thinking you've got a pass rush even when you don't blitz. You don't have to blitz that you can affect the quarterback. And this is an offensive line for Cincinnati that will let you affect the quarterback at times. And Here, that's
2: a huge benefit defensively for this time Here's why team. here's why Cincy locked up their division and won the division and got the seed they did to host the Raiders. So at one or early December, they were leading the league in points lost due to turnovers. And then they haven't turned the football over in like four or five games now.
0: Four, I think.
2: So or, like the, the yeah, Titans went the through their turnover spell and then they have shored that up and Cincy did the same thing. But Cincy was, for the most part, turning it over at a rate that was among the tops in the league, like where you don't want to be. And that's where the pressure met some of the the forced passing or uh, maybe a a hair late on a throw that ended up being picked. All of that plays a factor in some of the decision making. And burrow has been much better in that area over the last month to five, six weeks. So... That's really the deciding factor of the game that the teams that did not turn the football over at all this past weekend went 3 yeah. so, uh, so and 0. Yeah. So and since he was one of them.
0: They score roughly four touchdown uh a game, 27 points a game. Titans are 24.6 and they had a couple of explosive games in their last four regular in the last three regular season games they scored 41 against Baltimore. It was pretty stout defensively no matter what, right? and uh 34 against Kansas City in a very good win against another yep. good defense. So they are uh playing pretty peak is another reason people like them. They they're streaking right now. They lost that last game against Cleveland which didn't really matter if I'm remembering correctly they they didn't play a, a lot of they people. They did not.
2: No, they didn't play. So their, they won 3 their of their
0: last 4 but they didn't really care about that four. So count the playoff game They've won four out of five. They're playing clean in terms of turnovers. They're, they're scoring uh, against good defenses. Um, and uh, with the Raiders, it was a nip and tuck game. It was also that first playoff game for the mo- majority of them, all of those things. We talked about it. You talked about, Hutt, how you, from a Titans perspective, fear this game more than the championship game in a lot yeah, of ways because of, of that, because of the restart element. And Cincinnati, while they lost the guy and they're dinged up, they don't have that restart element. They have that momentum element. And this is exactly what we saw in the reverse game for the Titans against Baltimore two years ago.
2: Well, yes. And going back to the – so who did – help me with this. Who did they win against right out of the gate? New England. So they, Yeah, that's right. They beat New England Which in Brady's final momentum. game in Foxborough and then went – and that was on the road – and then went to Baltimore, Baltimore and won. And, and it's a similar well. similar situation for Cincy where they get in, they're hosting a game, but still, like they're overcoming a lot of things they haven't done in a while, like win in the postseason. They do that. They've got this young nucleus of talent that believes that they're streaky just like the country does, and that they're going to upset a lot of people here in Nashville on Sunday, or, or excuse me, Saturday I afternoon. asked
0: Todd Downing about this idea that Bayard talked about last week, right? When Bayard was talking about that Baltimore game, you know, we can't be like that and be happy that we're hosting a home game and we have the bye week and all that. I asked Downing about it, and he said, uh, we've got a lot of meat on the bone offensively. No one here can be fat and happy. I think they've done a pretty good job of banging that drum, like let's not take that bye week as some sort of big achievement. Because they've seen it happen, because they've been part of it happening.
2: Well, and then they've got they've got a team that can shake you into some focus here. I, I, look, I, I think the bye week though should benefit them overall. I got, I I, I do admit, like I, I think the the getting the engine revved up for the offense is is something I'm concerned with. Um, well, because I've always been concerned with it. Yeah, there's, there's uh, was it Kansas City was the last time we saw them get off to a real quick start. Yes. Like legitimate drive down score, first four possessions get points. Like that's the and that ended up being a blowout win for the Titans. They're capable of doing it. We just don't see it on a routine basis. Meanwhile, this is not a good scripting offense. Def- defensively, though, you know, you've got to worry about the explosive plays, but since he, they've got to worry about a fresh and rested defensive front. I mean, that that should play to the Titans' advantage. I don't think the Titans' defense has been slow to get started over the year.
0: No, it hasn't. Titans' defense has, has uh, not just not been slow to get started. I mean, uh, the offense usually sput- – I mean, that, tell me if I'm wrong. This is my feeling about the Titans at the beginning of the game. Titans usually sputter. Uh, they might get a first down or two, but they're generally punting. The other team does move, but the Titans stop them in the red zone. Yeah, and it's, and, it's six, yep. and it's six. They're, they're it's 6 been, but don't break it's early. six nothing, but it feels like it should be fourteen.
1: Yeah, that, that's accurate. Also, we're spending a lot of time talking about the return of Derrick Henry, and and rightfully so, and how good he's going to look in this game. What about the extra rest for two guys who battled injuries throughout the year, and Julio Jones and AJ Brown? What does that bye week do for them? I mean, Hunt, you mentioned the pass rush, which I think is key against the Cincinnati offensive line, but. What about A.J. Brown and Julio Jones coming back with an, with an extra week of rest? Do they look like slightly different versions of themselves? And I mean that in a good way. I That's think, another mystery I, we don't know yet.
0: I think offensive line guys, too. I mean, Ben Jones is undoubtedly beat up. Roger Saffold certainly has, has been beat up. I mean, I, I, I think the benefits of the rest part are everywhere. And Hutton pointed this out last week. The Titans have had... Uh, uh, two buys and a mini-buy in 10 weeks. Now it's 11 weeks, maybe, where Cincinnati's played straight through.
2: Yeah, the whole way through. Their their bye week uh, over the last 11 weeks, the Titans have had two full weeks off, plus that Thursday game right before Christmas. Um, Coming up, quarterbacks in large part, and fairly so, are judged by what they do in the postseason. And the quarterback for the Titans is the least talked about signal caller remaining in the postseason in Ryan Tannehill. What's at stake for him and what's expected from Tannehill now? That's next on OutKick360. Some quarterbacks step up in the postseason and some just can't do it. There have been examples of that even already in wildcard weekend. And now it's Ryan Tannehill's turn. And we've seen him start four postseason games for the Titans. What's next as he's set to begin his third postseason run with the Titans hosting the Bengals? Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. There are plenty of doubters around Tannehill. He's the least talked about uh, quarterback remaining of the field. Of the, the eight teams remaining, if you'd run through all the quarterbacks, Tannehill is not moving the needle. in in NFL talks and NFL circles. But we all know what he's fully capable of in this offense with Henry being Henry. And that's why we discussed the the topics of what Henry means to this team versus what the quarterback-wide receiver combo and the other AFC teams and really the rest of the league that's still in the postseason, what it matters to them. In four postseason starts... 54 completions, 534 yards. That's in four games. 54 completions for 534 yards in four games.
0: So look, in the first two games that, that we just mentioned in the last segment, at New England and at Baltimore, <clears throat> the games shaped in a way that you didn't need Ryan Tannehill to do a hell of a lot. And the Titans are fine with that, and Ryan Tannehill's fine with that. I'm fine with that. I imagine you guys are fine with that. He
1: made he had an incredible pass that got them going In on that play against Baltimore. But yeah. I, he I, had can't, two. I he, can't remember hit, really anything that he had to do against New England other than no, not screw it up. He had get,
0: two against Baltimore. Yeah. Hit Johnny Smith going one yes. way. Khalif Raymond at the very beginning of the second corner going the other way. And that was it. Then they ran, and they played defense, and they were great. In Kansas City, in the AFC Championship game, fact of the matter is they were overmatched. They were exhausted, and they ran into Mahomes, who made a miraculous running touchdown play right before half that basically put them in chase mode, and they weren't going to catch him. Here's why I have the concern. Last year, against Baltimore, the Ravens found a way to eliminate Derrick Henry from that game. Arthur Smith couldn't keep up. Corey Davis couldn't keep up. He dropped out of that game with a we don't know what to this day. And Tannehill was bad. He was 18 for 26 for 165 and a TD with a pick, 83 rating. But here's the big part. They're down 17-0 going into the fourth. And he went three for six for 21 yards with the pick, and 18.8 rating. The biggest quarter of his football life three for six for 21 yards with a pick. That's the quarter I would guarantee you if Ryan Tannehill was reviewing his career that haunts him, that he wants back, that he wants to do He can't have a quarter like that in a crucial moment in what are potentially the 12 quarters ahead of him if this team's going to win a championship.
2: Yeah, I agree. And um, I don't think he, he doesn't speak publicly on the doubters. He doesn't, reference, oh, you say I can't do this, I'm going to do this. Um, I I do think he's uh, fiery and he's a huge competitor uh, internally, but externally you're not seeing that. There's no doubt he notices, though, the discussion, that he takes note of all this. And he's in a position as the quarterback of the number one seed to take advantage of the opportunity and quiet a lot of doubters. He could put a lot of this to rest by – Make it a run to a Super Bowl.
0: It could completely change the narrative about his legacy here. Yeah. Now, we say that a little bit like it's something different for him. Any quarterback who doesn't have that legacy can, cha- can change it with, with a three-game run from here, right? But he's not been good in the playoffs. And here's another reason that I'm a little bit skeptical about the Titans from here. He's had his worst season with the Titans this year. Right. I have the least good expectations about him because of that. Now he's leveled off, but he's thrown some bad interceptions and he's let go of some bad fumbles and now he's about to face the best teams that he's faced. This one's pretty good. Next week's is going to be really good in Kansas City and or Buffalo and the one coming from the NFC will be really good if they get there. And those those plays, Chad, that drive you crazy, where you you see that underneath linebacker that he somehow misses that slides underneath. If that resurfaces, his legacy ain't going the right direction.
1: Well, it's it, we know the it's going in the wrong direction if that happens. I, I think unfortunately for Ryan Tannehill, there's a scenario where they go to the Super Bowl and his legacy doesn't change at all because everyone's still going to look up and say, well, you got Derrick Henry. He'd be perfectly fine. And that's fine. the leader of this team. He'd it's be the perfectly same- fine being Trent Dilfer. Well, Hutton pointed that out, right? You know, what are we talking about? Well, let's go with the duo for every team in the playoffs, and you go down the list, and it's quarterback, receiver, quarterback, receiver, quarterback, receiver. Titans, it's Derrick Henry. That's not changing in this playoff run. Now, if Derrick Henry gets out there and can't go or something happens, and Ryan Tannehill, this team turns into a Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones show and they go on a run and win two games and get to a Super Bowl, that changes his legacy. If the Titans win the way the Titans win, Ryan Tannehill is going to have an enormous part in that if it happens. But from a credit standpoint, a legacy standpoint, it's not going to matter because he's still going to be viewed as nothing more than a game manager But for most his, people.
2: In his, in his favor, though, and going back to last year, Tannehill's numbers in some crucial categories for quarterbacks were up there with the top names. Yep. And
0: 9.8 yards per attempt.
2: They're, they're breaking offensive records for as a franchise. I mean, he's he's threading the needle on play action, especially on first and second down. Play action passing was – I mean, Arthur Smith got a job. Arthur Smith is a head coach now because of what Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry did. Um, it's leveled off this year. They haven't had that trio together um, I would say maybe 20% of the snaps, and that's just a guess. But I know uh, if you insert Julio in the mix, it's been 10% of the snaps, 120 of like 1,100. Point being, if he goes on a run and puts up the type of numbers that we saw and the production, the production more the numbers of what we saw from 2020 with he and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry in the backfield. That's why everyone was so optimistic about this year going into the year offensively. Can they pick up where they left off and then they've added Julio into the mix? Well, now he has a chance to do it, but just on a much shorter time frame over a three-game stretch. And I'll bring up last year and add it in as a negative. He had some of the best numbers we've ever seen and then had a complete flop in the game that Paul just pointed out against the Baltimore Ravens. When When it came down to Win in we advance. Need you to win it. It was not win in advance mode at the quarterback position last year. And that's just the truth of what happened at Nissan Stadium.
0: Uh, Chad, it might not change it as dramatically as it would change it for some other guys because of the contract of the team. But when you're introduced to the dais as Super Bowl winner Ryan Tannehill, it changes it, you know, no matter what. It change well, it for Trent I, Dilfer, right? I say Who's that, maybe though, the worst Super Bowl winning quarterback ever.
1: I say that only to say – the, uh, what I think is the obvious, that people who criticize Ryan Tannehill and they look at his tenure in Miami and they look at the the how he fell back this year, back to the pack, if he goes to su- – those critics are, are just going to say, well, he's a game manager that rode Derrick Henry in a better defense to a Super Bowl. Fair or unfair? And I think that's unfair because, again, if they're going to win a Super Bowl he's make or plays. get to a Super Bowl, he's going to make plays. Absolutely. I think we all know that, but – I just don't think we've got someone on uh, the YouTube chat right now, Ken, who says, "Well, there's a reason why Tannehill is the least talked about quarterback remaining in the playoffs. It's it's because he's by far the worst quarterback remaining. Titans will have to overcome his ineptitude to have a chance." I, I don't know about it. inept. Well, he's been worse this year, and he's been worse. it's a it's a great opportunity for him, just like every other quarterback. I'm just simply saying that unless he catches fire and has great stats. And the Titans suddenly are lighting people up through the air. The knock on Tannehill still going to be well. He had one great offensive season a year ago, and he rode. Uh, well, yeah, last year, last year last wasn't a great offensive season. wasn't a great playoff run. He fell apart in the one playoff game, but he was great throughout the regular season. But the but year he had, those. what's the storyline going to be? Derrick Henry, King Henry, returned to his throne to lead the Titans through the playoffs and to win a Super Bowl. And Ryan Tannehill didn't screw it up. Congrats! But to the guy, that's, that's what critics are going to say about Taylor. But Tannehill.
0: to the guy calling him inept, go find me inept quarterbacks who've led teams to, to twelve win seasons and number one seeds. At, at, there's
1: no such list. He's not inept. That that's
2: hyperbole. Yeah, he is not an inept quarterback. Well, he's good. He's good. He's just right now he's a good quarterback. But and he and would he would have to. That's how quarterbacks be. are judged. Quarterbacks are judged on what happens now.
1: If somehow a team can take away Derrick Henry or Derrick Henry isn't himself, whatever, he's going to have to be great. Then what? He's going to have to step up and be great. that's, That's where he steps out of this. He doesn't have to be great if the way they're constructed works. And offensively, they can run the football. But he is going to have to be great if someone takes that away from the Titans. And they have A.J. Brown... Julio Jones, they have weapons to get the football to if that happens, but he's going to have to elevate from what he's been this season, which has been, to me, a pretty decisive step down from a year ago.
0: Here's one thing that does go in his favor that, that doesn't come up enough. This team's very good in two minutes, right? I, I have a pretty good amount of faith in him to go down and get a score at the end of the game or end of the half the same as I did the previous two years. Derrick Henry's not on the field in two minutes, whether his foot's broken or not, because he's he's not part of that offense, that fast-paced thing. And so that's Ryan Tannehill running that. His running back in those situations was Jeremy McNichols for most of the year. It's going to be Dontrell Hilliard now. That's him and pass catchers. He might be calling his own stuff in that also. So... You know, if you slice that out, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah, but no
2: handle. one remembers that. I know. But I mean, I'm that, I'm putting it in evidence. It's in evidence, but no one's hearing it. Like it's one of those things that the jury goes back to the room and, you know, you know, if you you don't ask to to see that part of the trial, right? You don't need to look Can back that Can I get a over read over back, that, back that on the
0: 2-minute drive numbers, please, your honor?
2: <laughs> well, honestly, like the the stats, the stats don't matter as much as the production. And Whenever Henry got stopped last year in the postseason, the production needed to step up from the, the quarterback position. It couldn't happen. And the same thing needs to happen uh, in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. And Mahomes was Mahomes. And, you know, the, the offense, you've got to keep up with them. And the Titans couldn't do it after a while. Well, I mean, it, the stat line is 14 of 18 for 200 yards and zero touchdowns on Saturday. That doesn't guarantee a win just because he's only attempting 18 passes um uh, for the, for the Titans offense you know you would think the run game's going great 18 pass attempts that's that's kind of what you want uh, as a uh, a Titans offense and how they get into a rhythm and a flow but i mean they they won a game at new england granted it was 14-13 i think prior to the interception by six, six. logan ryan um it was 14-13 and his stat line ends up being 8 of 15 for 78 yards that night i mean it was Nothing, (laughs) nothing to do with the impact of that game. He made a uh, touchdown pass to Ferkser and then he made a first down throw to Ferkser on the boundary and a crucial drive before giving the ball back to Brady. I'm recounting all this because those are two massive throws that no one's bringing up that he stepped up and made in that game that ultimately were deciding factors of that game. But the stat line says eight of 15 for 78 yards.
0: So the question is, we take ourselves out of this as, as close Titans observers, we do what we were doing earlier, Chad, when we were talking about what do people in the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest think of Bengals, Titans this weekend. If you're looking at Ryan Tannehill in those two games, in New England and in Baltimore, where he did make two huge throws that were early and then things really settled down. Do, do you look at him and say, well, that's a terrible quarterback like, like most America does? Or do you look at him and say... Well, that's a quarterback that did all that was necessary for him. Well, I do understand how he, a lot of America looks at it and say, well, in a quarterback league where I tune in for playoff football to watch
1: quarterbacks, I just saw a quarterback not do a lot. Well, Matthew Stafford just threw 17 passes in, in a blowout. I, I don't think people are sitting there saying Matthew Stafford game manager because that's how they won a playoff game. That's perfect if you can do well, that and that, that's what Tannehill has done a couple times, yeah. but to what Hutton was just saying also, they've had two moments where they couldn't get the running game going, and or they had to outscore the opponent because you knew they were going to go down and score points against Mahomes, and he failed in both those moments. Against the Ravens a year, uh, a year ago, two years ago against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, he's come through in other moments. We talked about Patriots and Ravens games where he made some big throws, but if, I, if I'm looking at just a big question mark for Tannehill in the playoffs, it's what happens if the, the plan you have going in because of the other team snuffing it out or because of injury or whatever, if you have to go to a different plan that involves Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball a bunch, can he win you a playoff game doing that? But let's set up, and so- he has not had to do that yet. Let me rephrase. He's had to do it, and he didn't twice. Yes. And the There's le- going to be a third opportunity, and I don't think it's going to be this weekend. I think it'll be in the AFC Championship game after they handle business this weekend.
2: So I, I want to set up the storyline of the game, and this is not how coaches and players go about it, but here's the storyline of what we're talking about. So Stafford's a good comparison. Stafford, on his path with the LA Rams to the Super Bowl, is going to have to go through the quarterbacks that have dominated his career while he's been sitting at home during the postseason on a terrible Lions roster. He's going to have to go through Brady and most likely Rodgers to get to a Super Bowl with a chance to win it. And by then, many feel as though he's going to go through Allen or Mahomes to win a Super Bowl. So Stafford's going to have to earn it. He hasn't been in a position based on his organization to do it. Tannehill, same thing in Miami, traded to the Titans, takes over. And if you from the time he took over for Mariota to now, he has the third most wins in the National Football League as a starting quarterback. That, that's impactful, but the storyline with Tannehill is, well, he's a good quarterback. He's not losing you games. He's not winning you games. That's just the, the, the feeling that you get whenever you bring him up to any common fan or commentator. Now, we have a different view of it here, but think about the the quarterback era that we just went through with the AFC, that we're finally seeing the, the well, at least one of the guys uh, step down. We've got Brady in the AFC with the Patriots. It was Brady, it was Roethlisberger, or it was Peyton Manning. Those are the three quarterbacks representing the conference in the Super Bowl every year during their era. Well, right now it's Mahomes. Allen is right there. Everyone believes that. And then this week is Tannehill going to be the third guy, or is it going to be Joe Burrow? Like who's who's inserting themselves into that trio and taking advantage of an opportunity to? Make sure they don't forget your name. Make sure that you step up whenever you have the opportunity, which is, as a quarterback right now, there are some guys that just can't go. Kyler Murray, not in the conversation. Nope. Dak Prescott, not in the conversation in the NFC. Brady goes there. You've got Rodgers, and now you have Stafford battling for it. And Garoppolo's trying to prove the the same thing, even though his organization... Uh, Gave him the vote of uh, the thumbs down vote of no confidence by drafting Trey Lance and trading up to do so this past offseason. Point being, there's a lot to earn for Stafford. And now Tannehill is in the position after a couple of years of it's time to put up now and make the run and make some big throws or don't. Like it, there will be situations where he's gonna have to step up and make some massive throws if they're gonna make it to LA. It's and, not just about the run game,
1: and you laid it out well. And it's his opportunity to take a seat at the table. That's it with the two guys you just mentioned, and it's something that he has not fully done yet. And that is, go win a game, take over you're asked Now you're 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 asked to throw the ball all over the place and win a game. That can he do it? Here's I don't know.
0: Evidence from the regular season suggests not. 32 throws against Pittsburgh. They lost 33 throws against Indianapolis and in overtime. They won 35 throws against Arizona. They got pasted 49 throws against the jets. They lost 52 throws against Houston. They lost when he's throwing a lot. They're not playing the way they want to play and they're losing.
2: Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that throwing again. I don't think it's defined as like, are you throwing 30 a game? Uh, Brady is in a different realm. The dude's throwing 40 times a game, and that's, that's their option. By design. Yeah, by design. I, I, and Chad's right on Stafford. I mean, Rodgers' Rogers numbers compared to Brady are not even close if you're just looking at a stat sheet on determining who the MVP is. But everyone believes Rodgers is going to win it. But they, they run the ball quite a bit in Green Bay. You're, you see what I'm saying? like. It's not. It's not just about the stat sheet, and that wasn't my point. It's about the moment, and there, there. Now, the moment is now for Tannehill. But, because, because, but
0: in four of these games, they were struggling and behind, oh, and the yeah. run wasn't working. But and they needed him to go do it with bad receivers, with bad pass protection, with all of that. Like, they, they collectively, the team couldn't do it.
2: Right, but the. The, the moment will be, like, Burrow, Burrow sees the moment last week and has over the last month or so. The Cincinnati, a part of their moment was having to beat Kansas City in the regular season, and then that catapulted them. The, the Titans did that that same year that they went on their AFC championship run, and they got on a roll. I, I just – postseason's defined these guys. And so so it's it's really hard to argue against the the person that doesn't pay attention much to the regular season Tennessee Titans – and think... I'll go granular. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, just say, you know, Tannehill's just your, a very average quarterback. Well, I can pull up stats that show you that he's very good in play action and doesn't get the credit he deserves and some really crucial throws. Runs
0: great two minutes. But
2: now's the time when he can actually prove it to everybody and not just the people that watch him up close. Yep. That's, that's what this time of year means to him. And meanwhile, we we kind of already know about... Well, we do know about Mahomes. We kind of know about Josh Allen. Or at least we expect to we expect to see it, and if he doesn't step up, the the hurdle will be Kansas City. It's not going to be New England, for instance.
0: Burrow could get plastered, and everybody'll be excited about next year.
2: Yeah, they're because they're yeah. The feeling is they're the they're they're a year ahead, right? They're a year ahead of where they should be. But the Titans, this is the time is now, and I, that's kind of what uh, Bayard and Saffold and everyone else has been echoing when they point back to all these. Moments throughout postseason of, of the what, last two years of, well, we let, we shouldn't let this happen again, or we know what the Ravens felt like that night. They're, they're pulling all these things together where there really are no excuses.
0: Look, they've got cost and age issues to address in the offseason. They've got to go do it now.
2: Coming up, we give some final thoughts on the day's top headlines and some thoughts on an SEC atmosphere that was fully dominated by the visiting team last night. It's next on Outkick 360. Thanks to Dan Dockets for being a part of the show today, Dylan Taylor, and Ellie Sylvia. Ellie's our production assistant. Dylan's actually her boss now. Uh, it's always great whenever the intern is now the boss. Two Jacob,
1: interns enter. <laughs> one, one.
2: One. left the arena. One. And it's only because Ellie hasn't graduated yet. Or at least she hasn't told us she's graduated. She doesn't want
1: to graduate, I think, is the issue. She just Props wants to she's gonna stay in school. She's going to be a doctor by the time she's done with the internship with us.
2: Jacob Swanson, Jonathan Moulton, making the show happen for us. David Reed is the chairman of the board, still eating the Chiefs, puff, the Chiefs puffs over, uh, over to my left. Um, coming up on tomorrow's show... We'll get into uh, five big questions, I think, could end up determining the divisional round of the postseason. We'll go kind of around the horn and uh, get into some of the big storylines and narratives as these games play out. Uh, We'll have uh, at least one big thing on every game for the upcoming NFL weekend and discuss that, plus Armando Salguero will join us, and we will get into... Uh, a variety of topics surrounding all four NFL matchups should be a lot of fun. Uh, what was what, what cannot be fun for the Vanderbilt Commodores locally and for Jerry Stackhouse and his team is the rules in place for Vanderbilt home basketball games where when they take the floor, they're the road team, and not just the road team because there have been times where Tennessee fans and other Kentucky fans have been very loud inside Memorial Gym, but they're right there courtside in the student section. The students are not allowed at the game. They're not allowed outside of their dorms or student housing, except for class purposes or whatever's going on. Uh, for I guess, I guess they can go to work. Um, the only students at the game itself are the players and the cheerleaders. And then they sell these tickets that are courtside at Memorial Gym to anybody who wants to purchase them because the students aren't allowed to go. And Therefore, you have you have a road atmosphere for your home game. It's it's bizarre.
1: I don't. I, I, I have a hard time grasping how really academically minded, smart schools can lack just obvious skills in things that should be common sense. I, I don't. No one has. I have yet to hear anyone even try to explain how any of that makes sense. Well, now you have... They have a a vaccine mandate, so everyone is vaccinated on their campus. Mm -hmm. But students can't go to the game. But, I mean, the only explanation to me is they're trying to gouge the public to make money because they've got some sort of shortage in the athletic budget. So let's make money off Kentucky and Tennessee fans by clearing out space in the student section and selling those tickets, which didn't even work that great last night because the place is about two-thirds full. Yeah, it does. It it's not work. like every Tennessee fan was dying to go to Memorial to watch that game the way Kentucky fans did in the previous game. Paul, can you help me explain this? You went to a smart school. No, I I can't. I
0: can't really understand it. Uh, I mean, they've they've handled things for their community, which seems to be would take care of this and make you able to. Go places and do things. Well,
1: and Jerry Stackhouse was asked about after the game and he got very frustrated and irritated and said, that's above my pay grade. Ask someone else. When he asked about the lack of a a home court advantage, some players were even saying, we play better on the road because we feel like it's us against the away team. And you know, when we're home, it's not a home court advantage because we're getting yelled at by the opposing fans in our own building. It's an embarrassment. I've talked to a number of Vandy grads and Vandy fans, they don't even want to talk about it because it's so embarrassing what's going on. Well, and on top and, and of we, it... And we can only say this whole thing about, well, when the resources get there. You know, they, they've got an AD in there now and Candace Story Lee that gets it and the resources are coming. Where? Well, has she answered for this? He said, ask somebody higher up. So is she taking questions Well, on this? the question was about her. he said, is, this, is she on board with this? And he, his answer was, if she's not doing interviews... But the answer was, it's above my pay grade. Ask someone else. Next question. Well, she needs to uh, comment. What,
2: what? Why? Well, it's not her call. This is a. This well, is well. Then not she an, can she it, can say that it's not an athlete. Well, I mean, they're saying on the national broadcast on ESPN for the Kentucky game and last night, it's not a, a athletic department decision. This is a university decision. This is not Candace Story Lee. They're just not allowed. The students are not allowed to gather. Uh, l- they can't leave their they're, I, I don't know if, I, I'm assuming they can go to a common area in their dorm, but they can't like go out and go to a bar. They, they're under a mandatory lockdown for like the first two or three weeks of the semester. And that's why they're not allowed to go to Memorial Gym.
1: I mean, stop taking the check Which is really odd. From the SEC it's if just, you're not going to put money into it and do things the way a major program would do things in major college athletics, but
2: it's it's odd because you, I mean the cheerleaders and everyone are, they're there. Like you have students at the game, you just can't go sit down and watch the game with other students who are also under quarantine. So it's it's just it's very unfortunate. It's unfortunate for Vandy because you know that. Correct me if I'm wrong, check because I DVR'd the game and rewatched it, um, and not all of it because of the massacre that took place. But the Kentucky-Vandy the Kentucky, game. The Kentucky Vandy game, I'm saying, not the Tennessee game, Oh, yeah, yeah. That was bumped to big ESPN.
1: Yep, that was on and ESPN. And you have
2: cheerleaders trying to get this black gold chant going, and for you who? have blue and white in return <laughs> on national TV. It's, it's impressive. It's bad.
1: Vandy fans deserve better yes. than what they're
2: getting. It's pathetic. Do we they? are back at it tomorrow at 6th and Peabody for Outkick 360. Do
0: they deserve better? Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.